Luke chapter 7, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. We'll start in Matthew chapter 11. And I want to look at both accounts here as uh, Matthew and Luke give accounts for a couple of questions that John the Baptist had for Jesus, for the Messiah. And as interesting, starting this study um, on Monday, you know, looking over the text and thinking about it. And man, there's some interesting, interesting stuff in here, some, some interesting thoughts, some ideas. It was, it was pretty intriguing, and I think I read every commentary that I have on this passage of Scripture, just digging for facts and digging for truths and digging for what was going on in this situation because it raised a few questions in my mind as I read these passages. And I'm guessing you might have some of the same questions. But what we have is we have some insights about John, but what we also see is, is we're reminded of the power of the love, of the grace, and of the authority and care that we find in Jesus. John says, are you the one? And Jesus, by his actions, says, I sure am the one. And then it's almost like he says, watch this. I am the one, and here's some proof that I am the one. John questions, Jesus gives proof that he is. Are you the one? I sure am. Look at this. Watch these proofs. Let's look at the details. Matthew chapter 11, start in verse 1. We'll read through verse 6, and then we'll jump over to Luke chapter 7. Matthew 11, 1, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. So Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives the the his disciples, the apostles, some authority. He gives them some specific instructions. And then it's like, as we get into chapter 11, he sends them to go on, on, some, on a missionary journey, if you will, for them to do what he told them to do. And it appears that Jesus is by himself ministering here without his apostles, without his disciples. Now, that's my opinion. That's, that's what I believe is going on here, is that he has, he has a break here where he's teaching, where he's ministering without his disciples his disciples are ministering somewhere else at this time. So Jesus commanded his 12 disciples. Then he departed thence to teach and to preach in their city. So he is going around Galilee teaching and preaching. Verse number two. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Then turn over to Luke. We'll look at Luke's account. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time today is in Luke's account, starting in verse 18, and we'll go down to verse 23. You'll notice a lot of similarities here. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? 
When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities, and plagues, and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind he gave sight. And Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way, and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time when we can, when we can look at some historical events, when we can look into your word and we can see some details of, an, of events that actually happened. I pray that you will give us understanding, that we will see what you have for us, that you will work in our hearts, that, that we will be open to what you have for us. I pray that our response will be to glorify you and to elevate you and to lift you up and to give you praise. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care about us. I thank you that we are important to you. I thank you that we matter to you. I thank you for all that you are. I pray that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So just some background here to, to what's going on at this time. John is in prison when this account takes place. If you're wondering, why is he sending his disciples to go talk to Jesus? Well, it's because John was in prison at this time. Herod Antipas, you've probably heard of him, he had imprisoned John. See, he was involved in some adulterous activities, to put it lightly, and John called him out on it. And he didn't like John doing that, so Herod throws John into prison. And this prison, according to history, was not a, a nice prison, uh, which most prisons weren't back then. It was a dungeon in a hole in the ground. And it was hot, and it was nasty, and there wasn't much provision. And we have the forerunner of Jesus Christ thrown in prison for proclaiming truth to a man that didn't want to hear truth. So we have John the Baptist in prison right now. He hears about what is going on, and he has some questions for Jesus. John cannot personally go to Jesus and speak with him. He has some doubts. He has some concerns. He has some questions, and he wants some answers. Think with me, though, about the man with the questions. Who is this John the Baptist? What do we know about him? Well, let's start with his birth. He was a miracle baby. If you remember the story, um, his mother was Elizabeth. She was old and she was barren. Was not able to have children at this point in her life. But she gets a message. She is going to have a child. So John starts out as a miracle child from our point of view. He was the cousin of Jesus. Maybe second cousin, however that works. But he was cousin to Jesus. Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. He was the prophesied forerunner for the Messiah. So he's important. Look at Matthew chapter 3. Look at 
look at verses 1 through 4. And maybe you're very familiar with John the Baptist. I don't know, but I enjoy being refreshed on these details. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and a wild honey. So we have John the Baptist, we have who he was, he was the forerunner for Christ, and then we have some insight to the kind of man he was. I picture him as a man's man. I mean, he's wearing camel's hair. He's eating locusts and honey. He's living in the wilderness. I mean, mountain man is what I think of. Imagine this man locked up in a tiny dungeon, dungeon, not being able to even see outside possibly. Could you imagine all the freedom John had and then being crammed inside of a hot, sweaty box? I mean, I don't know about you, but I like being in the mountains. I like my freedom. I like walking around. And we have John, very important man, very important job. And he was the forerunner for the Messiah. Think about the magnitude of that. And then we have him stuck in a box. Could you imagine that? Freedom gone. Do you think like he had some questions inside? Like, what, what am I doing in here? I'm doing exactly what God told me to do. I'm fulfilling the prophecy that Isaiah prophesied about, and I'm here stuck in a dungeon. His message was repent, the kingdom is at hand. Not a popular message with some people. His message was behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. His attitude was he is greater. Remember John 3.30, what he says? He must increase, but I must decrease. His attitude of Jesus, his perspective of Jesus, was that he was not even worthy to unbuckle his sandals. An extremely high view of God, an extremely high view of the Messiah. He was the one that baptized Jesus. He's an important individual. And if you think back in Matthew chapter 3, if you go to verses 13 through 17, the baptism of Jesus, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So John the Baptist, the one that baptized Jesus, saw the Spirit descend like a dove. He heard the voice from heaven. He saw some stuff in his ministry. He experienced some stuff with the Messiah. 
His ministry was prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 40, verse 3. His ministry is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Take some time and look. You'll find John the Baptist in all four Gospels. Fast forward down the road with me, and we have John sitting in a prison cell with some questions. Look at verse 18 of Luke, chapter 7. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. So John had been faithfully doing what God had for him to do. He was proclaiming the message. He had people that believed this message. He had people that followed him and would help him minister. You saw John's disciples, right? They're people who believed the message John had, and they would help John minister. When he was put in prison... His disciples would give him reports of what Jesus was doing, of what the Messiah was doing, of what was going on. So John was still able to keep in touch with what was going on with Jesus. Look at verse 19. And John, calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? So John calls a couple of his disciples to him. It's nice he had that freedom to be able to communicate with some people while he's in this dungeon. But he calls his disciples, and he asks, is he that should come? What is that talking about? He's asking, is he that should come? What is that phrase? Well, in those days, in Old Testament terminology, that was, a, that was synonymous with the Messiah. And they would have understood that when John said, is he the one that should come? He's talking about the one that should come the Messiah, the prophesied one of the Old Testament. And he's sending people to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? And when we first read that, we might have had to think for a second, what's he talking about? Are you the one that should come? But he's asking, are you the Messiah? John's questions, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? And John sends his disciples to ask Jesus, these questions. Now, I'm just wondering if as we're processing this, as we're going through the details, are you wondering, how is John wondering if Jesus is really the Messiah? Or is that just me? I'm just, just trying to think as we're going through, trying to help you see how my mind worked as I was studying. How does John have these questions when we looked at his history of who he was, what he was doing? He was the forerunner for this Messiah, and now he's asking, are you the Messiah? Look at verse 20. When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Now, my first thought as I read this was they made sure to tell Jesus that it was John's question. This isn't our question. John wants to know this. So John was wondering, you ever, you ever been there? Like you, you're talking to someone important and someone else has a question, you make sure to let them know, this isn't for me. This person wants to know. So they make sure Jesus is aware, even though Jesus already was aware. He's God. He's all-knowing. He knows what's going to happen. He knows how it's going to play out. But these men say, John has a question for you. We're just asking for John, not us. It's John asking. 
And as I was studying this, my first response, responses, I guess, to John's questions were, I'm being honest here, okay, hypocritical and judgmental. As, as I tried to portray already, how in the world could John question the Messiah? He is John the Baptist. He was the forerunner. How could he do this? You know, like I'm on my high horse over here looking down on John for questioning God. I don't have that right to do that. So I needed God to help me to, to work on my heart as I, as I studied this because I want to go into this with the right perspective. And I want us to think about John's point of view and, and how John is facing this. John is in prison. Somewhere he didn't necessarily want to be. Somewhere that was not nice accommodations. And he had some questions. But think about John. He would have known the Old Testament prophecies of what the Messiah would do. He was getting reports of that the Messiah was doing what he was supposed to do. So he has some information coming in. He knew the promises of the Old Testament. But he sat in prison with some questions. And if you think about that, I just want to pause for a minute because it's so easy to look at John and say, how in the world could you doubt you lived with the Messiah? But he had, he had limited revelation at that time with what had been revealed to him. You know, he was going on what he had read, what he had been taught, what he had experienced. But we can look at John and say, what's your problem, which is wrong of us. But think about what we know. We have the whole Old Testament and the New Testament. We have the completed word of God to study. And at times, do we still doubt and question, God, what are you doing? doing? God, where are you at right now? God, what is going on in my life right now? So we can read this story and we can say, what is wrong with you, John? Or remember, John's in prison. I'd have some questions if I was in prison. And he has limited revelation at this point. And think about what the, the Jews of the day, what they were expecting the Messiah to come do. They were expecting him to come take over as king and, and give them freedom from the Romans and, and set up the kingdom and, and rule and take charge. And Jesus was coming in and he was loving on people and forgiving people and healing people and doing miracles. And John had this, apparently this perspective of the Messiah wasn't doing exactly what he thought he should do. So he had, he had this idea from the people weighing on his mind. Don't you think that would raise some question in, in John's mind? John was piecing Old Testament prophecies together while witnessing some of them unfold. He had limited information, and I'm sure he had plenty of questions. And, and we can look back to Old Testament prophecy where the Messiah is going to set the captives free. And that's the one that kind of sticks out to me that John's wondering. This is my opinion here. The Messiah is going to set captives free, and here I am, his forerunner, and I'm a captive? 
good to see that, leaving some questions possibly in John's mind. So let's not be hasty to give John a hard time. Let's see how Jesus handles this situation. Look at verse 21. And in the same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, he gave sight. So by Jesus' actions, what does he say? He says, watch this. You have questions. Here's proof. Here's my answer. I am the one. I am the Messiah. You see, Jesus knew what John was facing. Jesus knew that John had doubts, that John had fears, that John had questions. Jesus knew exactly how John was feeling in the dungeon that he was in. And Jesus answers John's question with grace and with authority. He didn't tell his Tell John's disciples, you go back and you tell John he should know that I'm the Messiah. What's, he, what's his problem? Right? We don't have Jesus saying that. He says, I understand he has questions. I'm going to respond to his questions with grace and authority. Grace because he's patient with John, but also authority by healing people, by casting out evil spirits, by helping the blind see by helping the paralyzed to walk i bet those people that were healed were thankful that john had some questions we have jesus here responding with grace and authority and in his answer we can find him telling john you don't need to look for anyone else you can trust in me you can stay faithful to me no matter what and we have that because we're familiar with how the story ends. John stays in prison and he gets his head chopped off. But he stays faithful to the Messiah. Look at verse 22. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. So Jesus tells John's disciples, you go tell John, I'm greater than any disease. Isn't that what he says by his actions? I have power to heal the blind. I am greater than any paralysis. I can heal leprosy. I can restore hearing to the deaf. I am greater than death. The gospel is preached to the poor. You might not understand my timing or the way I operate. You might not understand why you are in prison or why you are going through what you're going through. But know this, I am the Messiah. I am the one that should come. I am here. I have come and you can fully trust in me. How's that for a response to John's doubt? I am the Messiah, and here's proof. You tell John, verse 23, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Even with all of the evidences that Jesus gave that he was the Messiah, 
that he was God in the flesh, that he was the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, many people still were offended, many people still doubted, to the point of rejection. You find that all over. People hearing, people witnessing what Jesus was doing, what the Messiah was doing, yet they doubted to the point where they rejected him. And eventually he was murdered on the cross. Thankful. Thankfully he did not stay dead. And he rose again. Again victorious. Again proving that he was the Lamb of God. That he is the Messiah. The Savior. Jesus graciously reminds John. You can confidently trust in me. No matter what. I am the Messiah. Jesus says through his actions. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. He can be fully and confidently trusted in no matter what. And he made that clear to John through his words and through his actions. John had doubts. Jesus had answers. And Jesus had evidence that he can be completely trusted. Can we still completely trust in Jesus Christ? Is he truly the Messiah? Is he the Lamb of God? Is he all-powerful, almighty God? The Lord, the sovereign ruler? He is, absolutely. His word declares him to be Lord. With all that he is, all that he claims to be, we can confidently trust in him no matter what. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter how horrible life is, Jesus is still Lord. And we can confidently trust in Him and we can give Him praise knowing who He is. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank You for testimonies of Your Word. Thank you that we can have confidence in you. I thank you for who you are. I pray that you will give us the strength to trust in you no matter what. Please give us the, the grace that we need and the, the mercy that we need and the confidence that we need. I thank you for all that you are. I thank you that we can trust in you. I pray that we will recognize you as almighty God, as sovereign Lord, please help us to have a high view of God, of you. Please work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.